Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Well, we've got you covered. Welcome to Champions Round. All right, we have one day until the NFL season begins, so let's jump right into some fantasy news and notes and some games that we're going to play here on the podcast today. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. Can't wait, man. Counting down the hours now uh, until kickoff tomorrow. We're just about, we're recording this just about 21 hours until kickoff. Uh, yeah. Not not that I'm counting down the hours and minutes, but obviously <laughs> I am. I am. Just, just I, like the rest I'll, of you I'll guys. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I am. Uh, and I'm just getting in all of my final drafts. I'm sure you are also. I know we both had drafts earlier tonight, which is why we're doing the podcast at 7.20 p.m. Uh, so before we jump in, maybe into uh, buy or fade round one, you want to go through some of the picks that we just made in our uh, our last drafts? Why not, right? It's uh, it's a day before kickoff, and people are kind of winding down their their draft season here for their season-long formats, so... Why not? Let's uh, let's kick it off with a little bit of the drafting we did already tonight. And mine was a, a one-point PPR league. I'm not sure what yours was. Mine was a half-point PPR auction draft, and Ooh, you were okay. allowed to keep you were allowed to keep one player uh, from last season. So I ended up keeping Josh Jacobs for twenty dollars. His value right now is somewhere around forty-five or fifty in this type of league. Awesome. So good value, good start there. Um, my strategy was kind of to wait a little bit. I usually the stars and scrubs is the best way to go in those auctions. Um, mm-hmm. I decided to wait and let kind of the top guys go a little bit and let people bleed out their cash yep. and then kind of grab the guys who would normally in a standard draft go in like the third, fourth, fifth round. So my roster ended up being uh, Deshaun for $10, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, uh, 32 and 25 there Jacobs for 20 is my keeper James Connor at 26 oh, and yeah. then I ended up bl- uh, blowing most of my cash because Nick Chubb was still on the board I figured why not so I got him for $44 and then my bench is Cam Newton for two Calvin Ridley for 14 Dobbins for eight Will Fuller for eight Gasecki for one he's getting cut Chase Edmonds for one uh, Henry Ruggs for $1 and Tony Pollard for $5. Now I have to cut two of those guys before the season starts. Uh, I'll probably drop Gasecki and either Edmonds or Pollard, but I like the way that team stacks up that starting lineup of Deshaun Godwin, DJ Moore, Jacobs, Connor, Hayden Hurst, and Nick Chubb is tough. I mean, that sounds pretty solid in, in standard snake drafts. I mean, you got about four or five guys there that would be in the top three rounds. So I, yeah, I'd say you did a pretty good job. I am very, very happy with the way that that draft went. Uh, it was much better than an auction draft I did last night where I I have no idea what the hell I was doing. So it does take a little bit of practice, and there's only so many mock drafts that you can do until you get into the real thing. And you're when you're in the line of fire, uh, sometimes you make decisions you wouldn't make normally on your own. Absolutely. And the, the beauty of the auction draft, and for our audience here that might not have much experience in it, is – you know, every player is up for grabs. You can pretty much get whoever you want your guy, depending on how much you want to pay for him. So uh, my, my first experience with an auction draft was last season. Me and my brother uh, co-owned a team in a, in a dynasty league. And so we had that draft about a week ago now. And what we did, this, this league is pretty, pretty complex. And we shed a lot of our cap uh, last season, some of the contracts we didn't want to keep around. And we, we really went into this draft, this auction, this year's auction draft, with the most cap cap space. So 
we went all in on on Patrick Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson. It's a dual quarterback league. So I've never had Patrick Mahomes in a fantasy league. And that'll so be fun. I was thrilled. So we'll see if, how that uh, going heavy on the two quarterback um, going heavy on two quarterbacks there will pay off in that league. But I'll tell you, we, we like our team. And then I had another draft today. And like I said, that was a one one point PPR league. I was picking at pick six, your standard snake draft format. And uh, I went with Clyde Edwards Alaire there at pick six. Like that. It, it was tough because I, we've talked about on the show before with how deep the wide receiver position is. So my gut was telling me to go Michael Thomas, but I ended up going with the running back. It's a 12-team league, so running back can be a little shallow. Got Clyde in the first round, got Nick Chubb in the second round, double browned up there, and got Odell in the third, followed by, let's see, David Johnson, your guy David Johnson. I used your advice last week on the show to kind of influence my decision there. I got David Johnson there in round four as my flex. Keenan Allen in, in the fifth round. And I think Dak was my was my sixth round pick, so that's my quarterback. So the starting lineup, I also went with another guy. Another one of our guys is Hayden Hurst. I had to make sure I got him in at least one league. So I still- think I have Hayden Hurst in every single league that I drafted this year. It's a little unbelievable. I'm a little uh, overexposed. Well, I know we're really high on him, and I need to make sure I at least got him in one because I did the Cardinal sin uh, a couple nights ago in, in my girlfriend's brother's league, and he was my sleeper. He was the guy that I wanted. And what I did, what did I do? I, I waited too late and I didn't get the guy that I really wanted in the league. He got picked right before me. So I got him in this league and my starting lineup goes Dak, Clyde, Nick Chubb, Odell, Keenan Allen, Hayden Hurst, David Johnson. We play team defense. So I got Chargers D the, the week one against Cincinnati and then Austin Siebert kicker for the Cleveland Browns. So I'm pretty happy with, uh, with, with that going into week one. I mean, I think that your running back situation is to die for. Right. I, you're probably you're probably one wide receiver light, but yeah. those are easier to find at this point than a running back. And yeah, I like that a lot. And that was uh, my the, thought process going in. It's like you know you don't want to shortchange yourself on running back, but hopefully we can find a a solid wide receiver too. I mean, hey, Keenan Allen on any given year could still be that guy. But I agree. You know, you, you could maybe plug another guy in there and, and hope to solidify that lineup a little bit more. Look, and, and I don't know what it's going to look like with Tyrod, but Keenan Allen in a one-point PPR league is uh, pretty hard to beat. So <laughs> that, that's, I, my, I, that's my hope, at least. All right, so let's move on to buy our fave for round one, a game that we played last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this will be the last time that we played this particular game, obviously, since like, the season starts tomorrow. But I took a couple of running back by committees – and trying to break down who you would rather have for round one. I think this is interesting, especially in the middle rounds of the draft. You're looking for a running back, maybe. Maybe you went wide receiver heavy earlier. You took a quarterback or tight end early. These are some of the guys that you're going to see on the board when you're up to pick. And it's tough to decide sometimes which one is the right one to go with. So in particular, I've had this issue recently. Uh, Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette for round one. Remember, only weeks one to thing over. He's clearly the more talented running back. Jones has had more time in the system, more time with Brady. Uh, who do you like? Man, you really made it tough on us this week because these running back by committees, these these timeshares, it's the the question that fantasy owners have been trying to answer for years. And there's quite a few of these uh, these timeshares in the NFL this season. So speaking of the Tampa Bay situation, my gut tells me Ronald Jones, especially with where you're going to draft him and. We've got Leonard Fournette here at uh, 42 average draft position, and that's starting to slide now as we get closer to the season. And 
you know, this was a majority of mainly when Lorna Fournette was the guy in Jacksonville. So that average draft position is starting to drop, but I still tend to go Ronald Jones, especially because of the value. I think Leonard Fournette, as you mentioned, it's going to take him a little bit of time to really get fully acclimated in the offense. And even though I can see him getting the goal line touches, goal line touchdown opportunities, I think Ronald Jones just have more volume in the first six weeks of the season. And we're speaking round one here in the champions round format. Uh, weeks one through six. So my, my gut tells me to go Ronald Jones. Season long, I'm still going to go Fournette. I think he's just proven in the, in his time in the league that uh, he's the uh, more talented, more complete running back. But as far as weeks one through six go, I'm going to go Ronald Jones. Yeah, I kind of have the exact same thought process. Yeah. Jones has been in camp with Brady, learning the system. Apparently his hands are a little bit better this year. Uh, and he wasn't bad last year. Uh, I think that he's going to get a bulk of the carries the bulk of the touches he's certainly gonna play on first and second down i definitely am a little worried about fournette getting the goal line touches i think that's obviously something that he's capable of and known for and uh, i would be concerned if i were a season-long rojo owner for sure yeah but this is someone that is going to slide in drafts especially in your champions round drafts might be worth picking up in the seventh eighth round someone that you can certainly start any week and he's going to rack up points for you. So I, I like the Rojo pick in the first uh, first round. And there's very few starting running backs that you can get. Where Ronald Jones is going, there's very few starting running backs you can get in that area of the draft. So I think as far as value, I, I think you know Ronald, John, Ronald Jones checks all those boxes. It'll be interesting to see how Leonard Fournette's used in, in week one through six. And, you know, uh, the – the worry about any running back is that they're not going to get those opportunities within the far five yard line to really punch one in. So you could definitely see that being a factor here. But as you mentioned, Ronald Jones been in camp. He's improved his ability out of the, out of the backfield in the passing game. And it would be no surprise to me to see Ronald Jones outscored Leonard Fournette here in uh, weeks one through six. All right, let's move on to the second one, which is the Miami Dolphins running back situation, which got a little bit complicated this week when the Oakland Raiders, I'm oh, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, very important that we make that distinction. The <laughs> the Raiders traded Lynn Bowden, a rookie third round pick over to Miami, and he may be used as a slot receiver. He may be used as a running back. I'm not sure how much this complicates things for the first round, but maybe over the course of the season, he gets involved in the running game. Anyways, we were talking about Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. Uh, Howard is has an ADP of 87. Brita is 93. Very close. They have different skill sets. Uh, who do you got? This is another one where I kind of go back to volume. And Jordan Howard, uh, across his career for the most part, his four or five seasons in the league, last season was a, a down year to his perspective. He didn't, he didn't play as many games in Philadelphia, and he was changing systems. But going back to his days in Chicago, I mean, he's carried the ball over 30 times. I believe I'm looking at my notes here, I think twice. And he's had 14 career games with over 21 career carries. And that actually includes last season. For one, uh, one game last season with Philadelphia, he carried the ball 23 times. As opposed to uh, Matt Breida, who the most carries he's ever had in a game is 17. So we've never actually seen him be that workhorse. 17 is a lot now in the NFL considering the passing game and considering how many timeshares there are. But it's not that workhorse a traditional running back workload that we've seen, you know, over the course of, you know, NFL history. So Matt, ha uh, Jordan Howard has proven that he's proven that he can carry the ball that many times. And I see M Miami relying on him 
at least through the first six weeks of the season. Now, as far as Miami running production here in round one, I don't know how much there's going to be to go around. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to go Jordan Howard. Yeah, this is a really tough one for me because Brita, if you look at the analytics, is a stud when he's on the field. Yeah. Problem is, he's always injured. Also, the other problem is with Brita, anytime that you depend on him, he's out or gets injured during the game. And then whenever he's questionable, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can, you can never trust him. But he's a big play machine. His yards per carry are insane. He's got great hands out of the backfield. And, you know, if he could stay healthy, I would be so high on him. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that Howard's going to get the bulk of the goal line carries here. Breed is not that sort of guy. So I think that I would probably go Howard, too. I'm not sure that I want either of them on my team, but if they dropped, right. I'd probably take Howard as the upside on touchdowns. If you can get Breed really late, it's kind of a flyer. You know, maybe he takes over interested in that but otherwise yeah i'd probably lean howard here too you know and you mentioned it right there it really comes down to value and who else is out there in the draft that that you're debating between because if you can get better value later and and these guys start to fall then they probably are maybe the best pick out there that that you can go with but you know i'm looking at the Dolphins' schedule at new england in week one versus buffalo in week two at jacksonville in week three there could be some possibilities there for some yardage Versus Seattle, maybe something there as well. But then at San Francisco and at Denver, I just don't see a lot of uh, a lot of rushing yards coming from Miami Dolphins here in the first round. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the New England Patriots situation, which is a whole complicated mess of itself. Uh, for the purposes of this, we're going to go James White versus Sony Michelle. But there's Damian Harris who's out there who's on IR, but he's going to come back in three weeks. There's Rex Burkhead. Uh, it could be a whole mess of people who could end up getting involved in the Patriots backfield. But right now, White versus Michelle, their ADP is 92 90 versus 94 in favor of Michelle. Who do you like? Another one that's really just a toss up based on average draft position. And, you know, New England does this every single year to us. Who's going to be the guy to get the carries? And, you know, I think when you compare the two formats, the season long and then uh, the champions round formats, season long, I'm going to go Sony Michelle. I think. As he recovers from his his foot injury, he's still coming back. They're working his way in after the offseason surgery. I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries, especially in an offense that I envision that's going to be tailored to Cam Newton's skill set and something that's really going to be run heavy. I think Sony Michelle is the better play long, long-term, long season-long format. But as far as weeks one through six, I'm going to go James White here for his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And I, I kind of am seeing him be that Christian McCaffrey role where – in 2018, Christian McCaffrey caught 107 passes when he was lined up next to Cam Newton, and James White can check all those boxes. And I see him being having a big year, especially early, while some of the other guys get their feet under him. Yeah, I mean, I think that James White has to be the guy here. Uh, Michelle, I just can't trust him. Yeah. Uh, I know that he's going to get some goal line touches. He could be a touchdown guy. But James Way, especially in any sort of PPR format, is the go-to guy. I don't care if it's Brady or Newton. It doesn't matter. Newton, you could see when he had McCaffrey, drops the ball down a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be someone that uh, is going to be Cam Newton's little escape hatch uh, for the first couple of weeks. And I, I, I actually kind of like White in the mid-rounds as someone that you can start at a flex spot uh, for round one and champions round. Especially in the, in the, the PPR format. I mean, this guy... He caught 72 passes last season, 87 the year before. 
He was over 900 yards from scrimmage last season, over 1,100 yards, nearly 1,200 yards the season before. So, I mean, the guys, the guys plug and play. It doesn't matter, like you mentioned, who's throwing him the ball. He's going to get his, and uh, I think James White's another solid guy you can count on this season. All right, so one of the more interesting ones for me is the Buffalo Bills running back situation, which we thought in the offseason would be Devin Singletary's job. But now Zach Moss seems to be coming on, rookie from Utah. Uh, Singletary is going much higher in ADP, but it seems like this might be more of a 50-50 carry situation, full running back by committee. Uh, I still think I mean, rookie uh, Singletary is a second-year guy. He had a very good rookie year. Still a lot of upside on him, um, but based on their current ADP, Singletary 63, Moss 118, uh, who do you like? It is a really wide gap, especially considering we have no idea what the usage is going to be. I mean, my my gut tells me I'm leaning towards Devin Singletary, even though you are going to have to pick him way earlier than Zach Moss, but Singletary really did emerge towards the end of last season. He averaged over five yards per carry, and he reached uh, over 85 yards, at, uh, I think, three or four times across the season. And it really turned the, the page there at the midway point. So I, I see Singletary being in the guy, but kind of going back to the Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette situation where we don't know how predictable those goal line touches are going to be. If Zach Moss can take away some of those touchdowns, then you're going to get a great player there at, at the, the 118 average draft position. Yeah, I mean, I think that, Singletary is a tough buy if you're going to get him in the fifth or sixth round right now. A little uh, early for me as well, yep. Yeah, I think that if he fell to the seventh or eighth, it's interesting because you're getting a starting running back later. But Moss is someone that could do damage on the goal line or take more than 50% of the carries. I think that's someone that you might want to buy in the ninth or tenth round instead of spending high draft capital on Singletary. Uh, I'm in a, in a vacuum, I'd still rather have Singletary. I think he's going to get more touches overall, especially in round one early. Moss is still probably trying to learn the system a little bit. But if you give me a season-long format here, I think that I would probably rather have Moss. I mean, he's he's a bruiser. He's shown that in Utah. He also has the ability to break a big one. I mean, he's run for 1,000 yards and over 10 touchdowns each of the last three seasons at Utah, all his sophomore, junior, and senior season. So he's shown the ability to get it done. I'm with you, Devin Singletary. I think he's the safer pick here. But in season-long formats, I mean – if Zach Moss approaches that, you know, eight to ten, t- eight to ten touchdown mark, if he gets the goal line looks, he's definitely a valuable pick there uh, later in the draft. All right, let's move on to some of our fantasy props. So this is stuff that we're going to be looking for in round one, kind of a this or that or over unders. So first question is, who will be Dak's go-to guy early on? We got Amari Cooper versus Michael Gallup. Who do you think will have more touchdowns in round one? Man, it's uh, you really, like I said, you made it tough this week because when I'm doing my research, I'm looking at the numbers from last year and, and Amari had the better season, but he had 79 catches to Gallup 66, had nearly 1200 yards to Gallup's 1100 yards, had eight total touchdowns compared to Gallup's six touchdowns. And when you do like the blind test, I think you would have thought the numbers would have been actually even more drastic. I mean, Amari ended up scoring about a little over 30 points, 30 fantasy points more than Gallup in standard formats. But that that only equates to about two points a week. So I think we're going back to value here. And even though Amari, I think I would pick him to score more touchdowns from from Dak, I think the value is actually in Gallup's favor, even if he doesn't get 
quite as many receptions, quite as many yards, quite as many touchdowns. So I, I think I'm going to go Amari to get the the higher numbers, the heart, the the more volume and the more touchdowns. But I'm actually going to go Gallup in the fantasy perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Uh, and I think that uh, value conversation there is uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. My question for the Cowboys is, where does C.D. Lamb fit in? Where does Blake Jarwin fit in in terms of taking receptions away from either Cooper or Gallup? I think that as good as Gallup was in his second year last year, I think that Cooper is locked in for a certain amount of targets from Dak. I just think that he's going to look that way to his number one wide receiver. And my concern with Gallup is, will C.D. and Jarwin take away targets for Gallup over the course of the season? Now, Dak does love throwing to Gallup in the red zone, perhaps a little bit more than Amari, and maybe he should go to Amari a little bit more. (laughs) I'm not saying that because I have Amari Cooper in a lot of leagues. I am. Uh, So I would probably take Amari here in terms of more touchdowns. Value-wise, again, it depends if if Gallup dropped a little bit. I'm very confident taking Amari Cooper in the third round of any draft. Uh, Gallup, you know, if you have to take him the fifth, I don't like it. If you can get him the seventh, I love it. So it's just it's always a matter of value. Um, but for this particular question, I'll take Amari Cooper. Yeah, and and I it's it's hard to go wrong with with Amari with Amari. And then you look at the schedule. You open up at at the Los Angeles Ram, Rams at home against Atlanta, at Seattle, at home against Cleveland, at home against New York, and at home against Arizona. I mean, I think there's going to be yards to get there for the Dallas wide receivers. And it's tough to go against Amari there. And I, I think you're right. I think he'll definitely have more touchdowns in the first six weeks. Across the whole season, we'll see, like you said, how those other guys emerge and integrate into the offense. But uh, Amari in the third round, it's really hard to pass that, pass that guy up. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals and their new quarterback, Joe Burrow, who has said that Tyler Boyd is going to have, quote-unquote, a big year. So more fantasy points round one, Tyler Boyd or – AJ Green, who is healthy by all reports, who do you got? I'm going to go Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd here, and and this one actually is not as close as some of the other ones, and and it pains me to say it because I've always been an AJ Green guy since the day he came into the league, but you know he's he's healthy on to, to in AJ Green's terms of health, and I, I you know it's it's all relative. He still seems to be nursing a hamstring, and, and by all accounts, he's going to be out there for week one, and he's going to be okay but he just hasn't played the, the amount of games that I, I can trust in him right now. And I just think Tyler Boyd emerged last season and he could be a, a true number one here this season. So I'm going to go Tyler Boyd and it sounds like Joe Burrow and him already got some kind of connection and it'll be, it'll be really exciting to see how that translates here on the field. Look, I, if Joe Burrow tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so if he says Tyler Boyd is going to have a big year, I'm picking Tyler Boyd. Right. That much I can tell you. Look, A.J. Green is wildly talented. He's not as old as you may think he is because he's been so broken down. He's definitely going to get a lot of passes if he's healthy this year, a lot of receptions, uh, a lot of targets, probably a decent amount of touchdowns. But if you're talking me, telling me about value, A.J. Green, maybe fifth-round type of guy, I'd probably pass on that. Boyd seems to be going in the seventh round, and maybe it's because A.J. Green is back and people are forgetting about him. But Boyd is a stud. Uh I love him to have more fantasy points than Green, and I actually love him in all formats this season. I'm with you on that. You know, if you if you look at a guy like Boyd with Boyd's numbers from a year before, usually his draft stock skyrockets. And for whatever reason, to your point, it, it hasn't really done that. It's gone up since last year, 
but it hasn't gone up to the extent that you would expect with a guy from his protection production the year before a new quarterback that likes to slang it. So um, I'm with you and Tyler Boyd and I'm with you in all formats. And I think he's just a really good value pick. All right, let's move on to our final question of uh, round one fantasy props. Uh, I want to talk about breakout stars for round one. Uh, what is, or who are some of the guys that come to mind that could have a big early part of the season? Well, I was curious really, cause we didn't talk about this beforehand. So I was really curious what, you know, how deep you were going with your picks. So uh, I went with a guy who's not exactly a household name, but he's not somebody you're going to pick in the last round. And, and that's Christian Kirk. I just think in that offense with the respect and command of uh, the, the defense and, and the attention that DeAndre Hopkins is going to get playing on the other side. I just think Christian Kirk is on, is on, uh, is has the trajectory to have a huge season. He showed some flashes over his first two years and I'm looking at their schedule and it's fairly favorable here in round one. So I just kind of see Christian Kirk just being the guy and hitting the ground running here. I have one. I love the Kirk pick. I think that's someone that's who, who's going in ninth or 10th round right now. I'm a little worried about where his true role is in, in a PPR league because of where, because of the fact that they have Larry Fitzgerald Hopkins, where are the targets? But I do think he's someone that can take the roof off. Yeah. If you're looking for long touchdowns, that can potentially change your whole matchup. Kirk is definitely a guy that's worth playing uh, in certain weeks. So I, I really like that pick. Um, I'm going to go with one Cardinal also, and then I'm going to go with, well, I have two other, but I want to talk about three players that I think can break out. Okay. So the first one is Chase Edmonds. Uh, I'm not on the Kenyon Drake bandwagon. Uh, I don't trust him. I know he had a couple of good weeks with Arizona last year. He just doesn't have the history that I want from someone that's going in the first round. And I think that one injury way based on the way that that system is and that there's no true back behind Edmonds. I think Edmonds is someone that could break out in a huge way. And I'm talking about more for longer season formats. Like I, I have to have him in every league, mm -hmm. but for round one, Drake was in a boot. I don't know if he's going to be at full health. I think Edmonds is a guy who in one of these you know, first three weeks could have like a two or three touchdown game easily. Um, the other two guys that I want to talk about, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., rookie wide receiver for the Colts. I think that there's a chance that he could be the Colts' number one wide receiver, like now. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Ken, someone that obviously Philip Rivers has a ton of uh, memory of, and they play in a very similar fashion. And I think that you know, if you're talking about someone that you're going to draft with your last pick, someone that I really love, and another one that you could draft with your last pick, at the tight end spot, someone who's tearing up camp, but I guess not a lot of people are talking about it in the general public, is Eric Ebron, someone who a couple of years ago scored a, scored a whole bunch of touchdowns for the Colts. Uh, I think that he could have a huge role for the Steelers this year. And early on in the season, it could have uh, four touchdowns in the first six weeks. So those are three guys that I would target really late that could surprise. I mean, those are the picks. If you hit on even one of these, you know, these are the picks that, that could tune your team in from a, from a good team into a great fantasy it's, it's finding those hidden gems late in the draft and I, I think you make valid points for for all those guys especially Ebron I mean it's a guy we've seen we've seen him do it before if he gets the volume I, I think he could have another big year especially with Big Ben throwing him the ball um one last guy I, I was gonna highlight is uh is my guy TJ Hawkinson you know he's got a buy in week five so maybe he's not 
uh, the round one stud you need in champions round. But as far as season long formats, I just see him taking the next step up, like similar to guys like uh, George Kittle, who who really um, emerged in round two. Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, excuse me, who emerged in round two. And I just see him being that next tight end to really take that next step and, and emerge as one of those uh, elite tight ends in the game. So that's my that's my second uh, breakout star here of two, of 2020. All right, let's move on to our final segment of the night. Uh, best bet for week one. Now, I know that we're a fantasy show, but you and I both like to gamble a little bit. So I figure, why not put a best bet on a week one? So I'll let you have the floor and talk about what you're going to talk about. So I actually I was looking at the lines on week one, and you're right. I love looking at point spreads. I grew up on it. So uh, this is a fun part of the show for me. I was looking at the lines in week one, and – I mean, they are tough, man. They're tough every week, but just the unpredictability of of not seeing any or not seeing any preseason and and no fans in attendance and, and all that. There's just a lot of uncertainty here in week one. So um, I went with a couple games that I think are my locks, but I'm using lock lightly as I tend to do here when it comes to gambling. And I'm going Atlanta plus two at home against Seattle. I think people are kind of sleeping on Atlanta a little bit, and they haven't been that great the last couple of years, but they got their their workhorse there in Todd Gurley. We'll see how healthy he can stay the, over the course of the season, but I just think at home, the the struggles for teams on the West Coast going East is is a is highly publicized, and people know all about it. So Seattle traveling to Atlanta, even though there aren't going to be fans in the Dome, I just see Atlanta winning that game. I like the plus two, and I'll even take the money line on that. And then my second game, is Chargers minus three at Cincinnati. It goes kind of counterintuitive to what I was just saying about the West Coast teams going east. But I think going against the rookie quarterback and Joe Burrow there in, in week one, the Chargers to me have too much talent, even despite Derwin being out. I just see char- the Chargers taking care of business and, and Tyrod Taylor being that game manager, but making enough plays to win the game and the Chargers covering three points. All right. I like the Atlanta one a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. that is probably something that I'm going to bet on. Uh, you know, Seattle has this, they've done it a couple of times where they've traveled East early in the season. I remember they played Carolina maybe at the beginning of last year uh, and they, they cover, but they have the lucky coverage, which is kind of what Russell Wilson does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that Atlanta is a little bit undervalued. I like the plus two, uh, probably buy it up to plus three, but that's something that I would probably be on myself. Uh, my best bet for week one is the Giants plus six at home on Monday Night Football versus the Steelers. Now, the Steelers are a team that I'm very high on this year. I actually think they're going to be really good. But six points at home, Monday Night Football, for the Giants, who I don't think are going to be as bad as people think they are. I just think it's way too many points. Uh, I have the Steelers probably winning, but field goal game. And I think the Giants could pull it out. So I'll take the six points and move on. I was looking at that game as well, and I think six points, home dog, six points, regardless if there's any fans in attendance or not. I, I think that's a lot of points to cover if you're in a road if you're a road team there, especially in week one. So uh, I, I like that bet as well. All righty. So we will be back next week after the first week of the NFL season. Uh, until then, Michael, thank you so much for being with me again. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, 